Hello, welcome to this week's Football Down Your Podcast, available on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes. Enjoy. I wouldn't mind bringing it to the listeners' attention as it's not the, uh, not the biggest derby that anybody thinks of when they think about Dutch football, but it is a quite fierce one. And considering it'll be the last one with uh, Ron Jans as manager of Swallow, and the fact that go-ahead are playing at home, I think it will be quite tasty, and I'm. Uh, I think the go-ahead will win, uh, primarily because they're playing at home. But I also think they've got a striker called uh, Leon van der Kochel, who I think um, he scored against Hidden Fame when they equalised in the last minute, and I think he's due to score this weekend. I got. Fe- I got a feeling he's going to score. So um, my prediction for that for that tie is for go-ahead to win two-one. My predictions out tomorrow say that uh, I think Go-Ahead's going to win. I also agree, I think the home advantage really is going to make a difference, but also the fact that uh, Go-Ahead is a bottom of the table. And um, they've had a good peak in form like the last two months or so. Played a lot much uh, a lot much uh, better football. And um, yeah, no, I think I think Peck, they're, they're just out of trouble now, just out of sight of the bottom three. It's not done totally, but Ryan Jans has helped turn that around, and I, I think Go Ahead will be more keen for those three points. And I, I, I agree with you, James. I think they'll get the three points there. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, with uh, Ron Jans, uh, the latest news that he's uh, he's taking up a, a position inside the Kaiser uh, Bay for next season, where he's going to be teaching the new generation of managers that sign up to the. Uh, management course at the Dutch FA, but he stated that he feels it's going to be like a, a year like a, in combination with a sabbatical as well. And he also proclaims that he's going to uh, return to management afterwards. So uh, I think it'll be quite interesting. But he stated that he wants to take a break from the, the daily grind of management to explore other avenues and to, to become even better in that respect. Yeah, I think... He he's someone that should feel hard done because I think he sort of hasn't been noticed because you you think that the Vitesse, the Groningen, the um, Herenveen, a lot of uh, Utrecht, a lot of big jobs have come up in the last three years and he hasn't really been mentioned or he hasn't been approached given all that he's done with uh, Peck. Um, won the can be be Becker got them into Europe and um, I think they've also developed a lot of players and uh, and you guys uh, are saying that um, God will win this weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on the side of Peck because I think I like Django Wamadam who, who can play in midfield, he can play in defence, he can also play a left back, he's played all those positions this season. Ajax Loney I don't. They. I don't think they. They will have space for him in their squad. But um, I think sort of your higher level at the VC clubs should sort of. You should be really looking at him. Very dynamic player. Technically very good. He's, he. Um, I think he's. He's been good on both sides of the board. Tall, but also very skillful and um, and uh, creative. And I like the way he sort of moved around Mustafa Semak and uh, and Danny Holler. Semak's been playing deeper this season, and as sort of a deeper line playmaker. And Danny Holler's there. And I think 
Nikolai Brock Matson is also there, and they've already sort of they've already scored more goals in the second half of the season than they have in the first half. And I think you you look at the go ahead squad and. Daniel Crowley on loan from Arsenal has added something. Uh, Cherevela's added something. Elvis Manu has added something. But I don't think they'll have enough to get them over the line. And he, uh, James mentioned Decoro. And they've also got Sam Hendricks, another player from the Ajax Academy, who last season was scoring goals for fun for the Ajax youth youth team and um, has also scored some this, this season. But I don't. I don't. I think pick are the better side, and I, th- I expect them to win the derby. Actually, I would actually agree with Shaka there. Um, if you look at go ahead, they have improved since January, but have not won in the last four games. Um, and I think this game for them, they're looking at this one as three points, hopefully to get them off the bottom. Because after this game, they're away to Twente, and then they're away to Feyenoord. So that's six points they're going to lose out of them games. So this one's crucial. Um, for the home side, but I do think Peck have a bit more quality, um, especially in, in midfield with um, Lewis and Boy back from Juventus. I think he adds something that we're missing earlier in the season since he's returned in January. I think um, they'll have the edge, just. I see what you're both saying, Jacko and Michael, but uh, I still disagree because they were, Peck were awful against Willem Tway last weekend. And it's almost as though they, they felt the business was done. This might be the right game to maybe turn around that form because it's it's a big derby and they want to like turn on, switch on for that, like they have in the months previous to this. But yeah, no, against Willem Tway, like Ryan Jans was ringing the changes at half time because he, he just wasn't happy with what he saw, understandably so. They were insipid. It was an awful performance. I, I think I, um, in regards to the Divisia especially, I think it's 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 very difficult to judge a team on the last game. Look at Sparta Rotterdam. They the they re really put a resilient performance in against Final, then next the next Friday they get battered five 0 by Betas. And I think it's some I think sometimes I think the um go ahead uh the a good team and they've added some good players, but I think uh, PC Peck are much better physically. Uh, they've got Brock Madsen, and I think you would be counting on Brock Madsen to score a goal more than the attackers at uh, go ahead. And you know, there's still a lot structurally wrong with go ahead in regards to how they set up the midfield where sort of Crowley touches the ball, how he, how he sort of is allowed to dribble in, in the own half. And um, I think until they, they sort of begin to sort those structural problems out, I think that we will still have trouble and I, 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 I'm still going to go for PC this weekend. Also, I'd like to elaborate on... Uh... Chaka's point when he um, says that uh, Ron Jans may well have been overlooked for certain positions at other clubs through the previous years. I think uh, Ron Jans' decision to leave here and Vane and go to Standard Liège, the problems that he had when he went to Standard Liège going abroad for the first time and Standard Liège 
languishing at 12th in the Belgian league at the time and he, he really couldn't get going. I think such a move did a lot of damage to his reputation because everybody thought it's a natural progression to go from uh, being manager of Groningen and Hildenfein to trying your luck abroad for the first time and, and progressing slowly. He only lasted five months at standard age and I think um, I think that did a lot of damage to his reputation and, and he went on after standard age to have a good uh, stint at Swallow since 2013. So I think his decision to go to Belgium wasn't the right one and there were questions as to whether he would be able to cope and uh, having only been in the job for five months, it's kind of uh, proved, proved the doubt is right a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think in regards to Jans, it's surprising because, you know, he was born in Zwolle, he played for them as a player and uh, now he's managing them and, you know, you know, a few sort of news outlets a few years ago were touting, touting him as a possible national team manager. Uh, as it were looking at him as an option to replace Van den Brom before he eventually signed. But I think the way he sort of uh, developed players and things like that and, and made sort of um, established Eredivisie club and even won silverware there, I think it deserves a lot of credit. And I th- he, he, if you sort of look at it, in, if, if Azad decided to continue with uh, Van den Brom next season, then he's only signed on for another year, and if they, if things continue the way they have this season, next season, I think you won't see him then. Um, you won't see him there going into the next season. So, if he has a sabbatical and he, he does stuff that can VB, um, and he comes back, they could be an, as a job waiting for him there. But I think it's really important that he he gets into the KNVB and he has something to experiences to sort of share with these young coaches because that's where um, things uh, it's sort of lacking because he's sort of a different type of manager. I think he he wasn't an esteemed player that you know would sort of be fast tracked through the KNVB coaching course. He's Sort of a manager that's worked his way up, had had his had, has been knocked down and and continued to work at it again. And I think he's got a lot to uh, he's got a lot of knowledge to dispense on the young coaches. Yeah, I've always seen Jans as a manager with a lot of passion, and especially like you know being a vocal boy. But I think at the KMBB, I think you know he can start off as a trainer for these young coaches, but I'd like to see him as well, maybe even get a little role as an assistant to, you know, Danny Blind with the national team for a, you know, a few months into it, because I think some of his passion could rub off on some of the players in the national team, especially at the moment, um, where everything's probably a bit flat under under Blind, and I think he could rub off well with some of the players. Totally agree with that, because uh, Ryan's is a, is a fantastic character, and he'll be missed in the when he leaves, I think. I'm interested to see who Swallow get as a as a replacement. There's been uh, no news uh, this end. Only that Dwight uh, uh, Lodewijk, the old manager of uh, Heerenveen and Kambu, will be assistant, but nobody's uh, stated as to who he will be assistant to. So uh, 
be very interesting to see who Pegs Waller choose. And also, uh, to go back to the Derby game in question, Swaller have won more, more derbies than go-aheads. So that's um, in the, um, in the uh, how many games played between the two teams. Swaller are leading the stats at the moment with more victories. Yeah, I, I think uh, Peck is a job that any sort of upcoming up-and-coming manager should want because they've got a very smart uh, technical director in Gerard Nijnkamp. And um, the, the the squad there is very good. If when you sort of think about the fact that you know one of the sort of most highly rated young players in Europe, Hachim Mastur, has hasn't had a look in, and Anas Akabar, uh, another player from Feyenoord who who's scored some goals in the uh, the VC, but hasn't had a proper full season to actually show us if he can be an an Eredivisie-level striker throughout. And I think a lot of young managers should be willing to take on that role. And it's it's a good squad and a very good job. I hope uh, a sort of younger, upcoming manager gets it. You know who I'd love to see managing Eredivisie one day would be an Edgar Davids or a Clan Sadoff. I'd have tried it abroad. Um, Davids with Barnett and Sadov obviously in China it's not worked I think for their careers as coaches they need to come to their division to you know, a bit of groundwork at home and I think a club like Pixel might be perfect for at least one yeah I think they, I think they should take the the Michael Reitzuka route because he you were sort of looking at the um, rumours that he could go to Israel in the summer to to sort of be with um, U uh, UOD Cruyff and and they said that if he left that Reisiger would get the Sparta Rotterdam job and I think they should be sort of more uh, more like uh, players more esteemed players taking the assistant role but I think in regards to Davids and Sadov Sadov's gone to China, he's managed at AC Milan and I think he would probably believe that the 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 peg job would be too small for him. But you, you think about the way um, Yapstam came came from managing the Ajax youth teams and then getting the getting the getting the Reading job. I think more managers should take that route. And there are good Division jobs out there. So I think it, it, I, I agree with Michael. We should see more former players taking on these jobs. Back to the derby. Do you think that um, the sides above go ahead? Roda, Ardo, do you think they're going to win this weekend? Roda faced Twente. I was really impressed with Roda at a weekend this past, but um, you know, they're another one of these teams that can win one weekend. Look. Might again back on form, and then get back the next. Um, you know, Rhoda are still one of my tips to go down. Um, I think the biggest team that's in trouble is Excelsior. Um, if you look at our home games for the rest of the season, they've got Ajax, Utrecht, Vitesse, and then Feyenoord, and that's their last four home games. And they're going to have to win points away from home, which I can't see happening. So I think they're definitely going down, and it's just. Um, if go ahead 
one of my other choices is between the, the Rodas, um, maybe the possibly the NACs, and um, the Pegswars could get dragged in there as well. I think uh, Lodiese had a fantastic result last weekend, beating Groningen 3-1. Their, their home advantage they have where they managed to pick up a point here and there. I mean, you've got to remember with Lodiese as well, they've drawn 11 games this season. They may, have, they may well have only won four, but they've drawn 11 games. If they could have turned some of those draws into wins, they wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be in the relegation zone at the moment. I, I think I don't think it's completely out of the question that Oda may well sneak a draw at home to Twente purely because they're at home. And I still think that Sparta Rotterdam is still in the pitch, relegation picture. But Excelsior have have a habit in recent years of always picking up points towards the end of the season, which people don't really expect, which sees them completely out of the woods, i.e. winning a home game against a, a team where you wouldn't necessarily give them a chance. So, uh, But I, I definitely think that the Swallow are creeping away. I, I can't see uh, LSA Naomi coming into the picture. I think, uh, I, I think they have enough to stay out of it. So I definitely think it's between uh, go-ahead, Ardo, Aroda and uh, Excelsior and Sparta for me. Yeah, I agree with you, James. Um, I think I think Sparta might well be dragged into the bottom three, and I can't see it actually completely out the pitch that Honinger will end up back in that picture. They've been out of it for a while. I mean, they had a sloppy start to the season, sort of levelled off, and they were unbeaten for quite a long time. But um, it's definitely not impossible that they can get dragged back in. They, they've had some poor results recently, and who knows? But um, Realistically, I uh, Rhoda started to score quite a few goals, which is unlike them this season, uh, and it could see them over the line. But um, I think now myself that Ardo have um, had their little sort of honeymoon periods under Honingdijk, and I think maybe now that they'll they'll start to really face the battle. They weren't very good against NAC. They um, they were pretty poor actually, and they should have probably have lost that game. But we're lucky to get the one 0 win and. I can see a bottom three myself of uh, Ardo, Sparta, and probably Excelsior, but purely down to their run of games because Excelsior have been unlucky there. Um, I mean, every team plays every team home and away, but um, it's sort of come at the wrong time for them as the, the big teams are coming to their stadium at the wrong time of the season. Um, but, you yeah, know, I, I agree with Michael. Away from home, Excelsior are pretty poor. I don't think they'll, they'll see much joy there. We had a, uh, a question from a Twitter follower, Mark Neal, as to whether Ardo can stay up. And I definitely think they can. I, I can't see them being cut adrift. And they play, uh, they play uh, away to IZ this weekend, who are not entirely in form. And then the following game after that is um, at home to Ardo USA. So uh, um, they could very well win one of the next two matches, Ardo, and put themselves back in, uh, back in contention to... Uh, to escape the uh, relegation playoffs. I think if if any, I think I think it's gonna be go ahead, Roda and Excelsior. I think in regards to Roda, I think um, the reason that they've started to score more goals is I think someone like Mitchell Paulison has really improved since since the turn of the year and has. His output has risen sharply since the turn of the year. 
hand out. Um, in terms of these teams that are going down, you, you, you look at the season that Nigel Hasselbank has had for Excelsior, you think that with his performances, maybe they would be a bit further away from where they are now, a bit higher. But it just shows you how uh, poor the rest of the team has been, that they're still down there. In regards to Ado, I think they definitely have the players up front to escape the relegation zone. Um, Mike Havnar coming off the bench at the weekend to score the winning goal will boost his confidence. And if they can get you know, Castanier back from his eye injury before the end of the season, then he's definitely a player who's got a lot of quality at the bottom of the table. Um, he's only 20, he's really fast, he's really strong, scores goals. And I think if he comes back into the side, him and Havnar will score the goals to steer them away from the drop zone. I wrote that for myself as well, again, with the goals. Um, Danny, Danny Shahin. He's he's definitely made a difference since coming into the side. Um, if I remember correctly, he didn't he didn't have many games at the start of the season. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that uh, Anastasio as well, who I didn't have much confidence in at the start of the season. He he's turned it round by making the team very very difficult to beat, and the amount of draws they've 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 accrued, they've sort of now been able to turn them into into wins. So I mean, they've only had four seasons, but. Their, their sort of mentality has changed, and that's that for me has stuck out. I I, st- I still think I still have a funny feeling Sparta Rotterdam will be involved in the relegation picture. I don't think they'll finish bottom, but I can uh, I've I do believe that Sparta Rotterdam will finish in the relegation playoff places. I just got I just think they'll go. They'll I mean they they started the season really well, and what with it being the oldest club in the Netherlands when they. When they return to the Eredivisie after being relegated, as in previous years, everyone is pleased to have them back because it's such an such an, a name which is um, which resonates, and everybody everybody was pleased to have them back, and they started really well, and they were kind of swept along in a big wave of um, of praise from all quarters, and then they had a period where they didn't win uh, for nine on uh, ten games, and then had a fantastic result against uh, Feyenoord, but I just um, I just have a feeling that they're going to be involved in the relegation picture. I, I think the bottom three, I think, will be uh, go-ahead. I have a funny feeling Excelsior are going to do what they normally do and, and string a, a win or two together, which is unexpected, and get see themselves clear. So I will say bottom three, I think go-ahead will finish bottom. I'd already say in the first relegation place and then Sparta, Sparta above them. Yeah, James, with um, Sparta, yeah. uh, you've got... I think myself, it's a lot to do with um, the young defence. You've got um, Frank Delonga and Dumfries uh, in the defence, and I think they're just young players that are making costly mistakes. That's because of their age. Um, and you've got uh, Elazuzi up front, who's another young player. He's misfiring. Yeah, he's had some good games, especially in the start of the season, but it just hasn't been the same um, in the last few months. Yeah. Um... Michael, you took the words out of my mouth. In the defence, they've got 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds in the back four. And Dumfries and um, and uh, Florinus have been good at times. And they've, they've got a lot of potential to be good fullbacks. But I think uh, signing all these young players together, um, I think... Uh, 
Van Drongelen didn't start the season at centre uh, back. He was he was playing out on the left. Uh, it's it's really it's really not helped them. And uh, the the subtle things where you you, you see the where you would believe that Alex Pastor is a really good manager and he's and the so certain people in Dutch football believe that he's a really talented manager, but. I think it's just uh, some decisions that are made, um, and you know, uh, Pogba is one of is one of sort of the the um, most uh, effective players. He doesn't give them much, but when, I think he he secured them a lot of points. Uh, he scored a last minute header against uh, AZ to level the game. He scored that early header against Feyenoord to. To win that game, so I think um, so he needs to make some better decisions with his lineup and his uh, approach to games. One of the things uh, to collaborate on Shaka's point about um, the decisions Pastor has to make, I am personally flabbergasted as to why he wouldn't select uh, Paco Famoso, who's a 27-year-old midfielder who had experience. Thomas Fahar has been left on the bench, who's was scoring for fun in the year they managed to uh, gain promotion to the Eredivisie. I think if he if he was to put the more experienced players in, along with the young players he has, they may uh, give themselves half a chance. But when I went to the game against uh, Ajax at home, at the uh, uh, away to Ajax in Amsterdam uh, at the beginning of February, uh, it was as if he left all his best players on the bench, not thinking that he would get even a point in Amsterdam. And if, in hindsight, he would have played his best team, which is which is a mix of experience and youth, he may well have got a point in Amsterdam, which nobody expected. And uh, that could be the difference between playing a relegation playoff or um, or um, avoiding relegation without um, without the need of any uh, playoff. We spoke earlier about the. Um the Sparta young, young players. We had a question on Twitter asking about the best under-18s currently in the Eredivisie. Who would your picks be? I would say Matthijs um, uh, De Ligt van Ajax is, uh, is doing very well. He came on as a sub uh, at home to FC Twente last, uh, last Sunday. He also played in the away leg in Copenhagen. And he's extremely young. And uh, Ajax are extremely excited about him, with him, with him only being, uh, I believe, 17 years of age. And uh, naturally, they're going to take uh, their time to um, to bring him on properly. But I think he's got a, uh, I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. Uh, yeah, Delict. I think he was also good, at, very good against Copenhagen. He was much better than Verheiver. It looks, it looked like Verheiver was a 17-year-old and. Um, Delict was the 26-year-old. Uh, Delict, the one thing to remember about him was he only turned 17 in December. Uh, Justin Clivert is also a good young player there. And if you look, and not particularly in the Eredivisie, but in the, the youth leagues in, in Holland, yeah, um, Joe Perot, a striker at um, at at PSV Eindhoven scored uh, an absolutely amazing goal against uh, the Feyenoord under-19s a few a few weeks ago. He signed a professional contract at the start of the season. 
and you uh, I think you'll if Ajax also they've got they've got Heis, but and they've, then they've also got um, they lost Daniel Malin who just turned eighteen. They lost him to Arsenal. Uh, he's also very highly regarded at Arsenal, and his agent is Mino Raiola, same person that manages uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Mario Balotelli. And players, uh, yeah, and players of that. Oak. I think um, Delict is definitely the most promising at the moment. He's the most complete for his age. Um, if looking for talent, so exciting. Then, you know, Justin Clyburn is definitely one of them. Um, Mitchell Van Van Bergen of of the test. Um, even looking abroad, you've got Kahit Chong um, at Man United. He's doing very well in their youth team, um, and just. Yesterday, um, everyone's under 17s started their Euro qualification elite round with um, a 2 0 win over Belgium. 17 um, year old Vitesse striker Thomas Boytink, he scored both goals and um, he's very highly rated in Arnhem. And he's already been linked with you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. And he's definitely one to look out for in the next few years, um, as well as you know, Ajax. Obviously, got a few in their youth team. Um, Ray Dan, who's recently went to Man United, and I've got a midfielder, um, Carol Eiting, who's playing the, um, the youth league this year, and he's made his young Ajax debut in the uh, Erste Divisie, and I think he's got a big talent. He's a big talent as well, and he's got a big future. Uh, I think, and a player that's 18, that's regularly forgotten, but that, that's played very regularly this season, and is also quite complete for his ages. Justin Hoogmatch at Heracles, very tall, lanky, um, technically skilled defender uh, who Stegman has given a lot of game time this season. And and I think the, um, the CIES um, uh, said that he had played sort of near the highest amount of games for a teenager in Europe this season and he would definitely be someone to look look forward to going forward. We had another question in from someone who asked uh, about Adam Maher and uh, Klaas-Jan Huntelaar's um, Netherlands prospects of getting back into the squad. We spoke about Adam Maher last week, so maybe not again this week, but we sort of decided, didn't we, that he needs to get back into PSV squad first, and we also don't think that's likely. But what do you what do you guys think about Huntelaar? I definitely think Huntelaar should be at the very least in the squad. Someone who's playing regularly for Schalke, playing in a very uh, high competitive league. I think um, I think to not have him in the squad is a bit like uh, cutting your nose off to spite your face. But um, I, uh, as I've said in previous pods, I actually think of the national setup. It's it, it's it's so messy at the moment with um, squads and with long-term planning. But but I don't actually think they'll make any drastic changes in terms of squad or manager or even um, ambitions uh, for the future until it's completely definite they met, that they won't qualify for. Uh, Russia in 2018, they definitely still have a chance to, but I think um, I can't see them acting 
uh, in any way to change the future until uh, until that becomes uh, apparent. Uh, I think I I believe that Huntel. I don't I don't think he warrants a place in the in the squad. Um, Schalke signed a striker, an Austrian striker named Bergstaller. And in January, and he's already scored more goals than Huntelaar, and he's a bit more prolific than him. So I think towards the end of the season, you you probably uh, Huntelaar will be out of the team. Um, if I think if he's next season, if he moves to Ajax, and we I think he's under the the sort of uh, guise of um, Danny Blind, uh, he. He, uh, if um, Boz rotates with Dolberg, I think you could see him probably get back into the national team side. But um, I think this season and last season, he's been very, he's been he's been very reluctant to actually, um, you know, actually agree to move to Ajax because. They want him and they've approached him a few times, but he said, you know, he's, he's always said, give me another year at Schalke and I will return someday, but I just, I, I, I feel I'm still able to play at a high level at the moment. So. I think for Pantoar, um, he's, he's very free now. Um, he's not really getting a game at Schalke at the moment. And he shouldn't really come into terms with the national team at the moment, but if he moves back to Ajax in the summer, and if he starts scoring goals in Eredivisie, then of course next season he should be called up. Um, you know, Luke Leong's getting called up into squads. You know, each time now, and he's not exactly performing for PSV. So I think next season, you know, not, none of the young strikers are coming through at the moment, and we're still a bit early for them. So I think Hunter definitely has a chance next year if he can get back into. You know, goal-scoring form back at Ajax, then he definitely comes in with a shout. Um, mostly depends on what Janssen does in the summer, though. I think you know, if he moves away from Tottenham, rediscovers his form, then he's definitely the, the number one choice for, for Danny Blind going forward. We've seen that Jürgen Lekardia, um shifted out to left wing for PSV. If he could refine some form as a, a main striker for PSV, even he could be a shout for the Netherlands, but there's been some news this week about how the um, the Curacao bus uh, wants to steal Lacardia from uh, the Netherlands for his, their own national squad. Um, and Mike, Michael wrote put wrote on the website about um, how there's already been quite a few players from the Eredivisie and who who are Dutch who have shifted over to this allegiance um, because the, the it's a new it's a new national team-ish, and it's it's growing rapidly, it seems. Um, Clivert uh, was the coach uh, last year, and he enticed the players to, to switch allegiances. Uh, but I think Locardia and Van Arnold, who were, whose names I saw, they certainly wouldn't be an option. Guyon Fernandez, I think he would, he would take it, and the other guy would take it. Um, Locardi, uh, he, he, um, the PSV strikers coach Luke Dennis said he's the guy to replace Luke De Jong, but I think with Sam Lamas coming through and things like that, 
and you know uh Locardio looking like he actually turned a corner being moved out to the left wing because he was such a creative force such a good crosser he was almost like a second striker because he was physically very strong could hold up the ball could really 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 work his his full back and i think maybe it, it will be the, sort of the best idea to sort of keep him out there and have lamas going through the middle if Guillaume was to leave but I, I, um in my sort of opinion i think it will, it will be a while before we see him play as a central striker again but i think you could still make the dutch national team as a left winger certainly yeah, I mean, Locadio was called up not so long ago, and um, he didn't actually play. I think it was in the friendly matches, and um, went over England. I think he was on the bench for that. Um, and I think he definitely still comes into the picture. He's only 23. Uh, he probably would have been in the picture season if not for a you know, serious injury that he suffered. And um, he's just getting back to fitness now. I can't see him accepting the uh, invitation, and especially not Van Aanholt as well, who already has six caps. Or um, the Dutch national team. Um, he's not getting picked right now by Danny Blind, but you know, if he won't be around for forever, I don't think. So he might come into the picture for the new coach if he keeps performing in the Premier League. Um, Guillaume Fernandez, I can see him. You know, the only way he's going to get an international career is by accepting this invitation. Um, the other one was uh, Castanier of Ado Den Haag. Um, he's only 20. I think he's got a big future ahead of him. Um, once he sorts his eye injury out, he was actually linked with um, Mike Germany in January before he got the injury. Um, so if a Bundesliga cup comes in from in the summer again, he gets a big move and his career could go from strength to strength. I think um, one factor in the choice of the players to switch their allegiance may well be do they feel that um, Danny Blind is actually keeping an eye on them or having them under consideration. To give you an example, uh, um, Hakim Ziyech, who now yeah. represents Morocco, was um, was eligible to play for the Netherlands. Um, there was no contact between uh, Blind as regards to um, um, getting um, Hakim Ziyech involved in the national team. Ziyech obviously found this frustrating and decided to choose um, to play for Morocco. He was much criticised in the Netherlands for the decision he took about, oh, this is one of the best players in, 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 uh, in, uh, here in the Netherlands, why has he switched to Morocco? But I personally believe he switched because he felt it was the right decision. But I also think uh, playing a part in his decision was he felt that he was, uh, he was being overlooked by a manager who wasn't going to give him the opportunity to uh, progress within the national setup, and he had to do what was right for him. So I think um, I think one point for the players who are maybe considering switching their allegiance in this case would be: Do they feel that Blind is, is going to uh, to pay attention to even have them in consideration in the future? The annoying thing, mainly about Ziyech is he's not actually getting called up from Morocco at the moment. Um, if you look at everyone, you would definitely, I think, be in the squad or Danny Blind now if you could choose him. Um, I think he would be the long-term successor to to Wesley Snyder um, in the number 10 role. I think he's that, he's that good. Um, so it's frustrating that Blind 
you know, missed the opportunity with him and by not, you know, bring him into the side. And you've heard stories about that before, about when, um, you know, Joshua Brennan made the comment a few years ago that, you know, he wasn't getting selected because he plays for PSV and not Ajax. And, you know, this isn't good if the players are picking up, even if it's not true, picking up these little um, criticisms of the national team boss who might not be impartial. Yeah, I think uh, Bernard made that statement uh, when you sort of saw, you know, the likes of Vernon and Anita getting picked. And uh, I think uh, I read um, uh, in uh, an article in the Dutch version of Vice where the PSV um, media um, manager basically says that, you know, uh, PSV have had sort of a problem and ha- had to sort of media train Bernard because he sort of speaks in a certain, a certain way that may sound de- divisive, even though he, he wouldn't mean it in that way. Um, in regards to Ziek, it, it was it was it was really baffling to see him not caught up. And with Morocco, he played the World, the World Cup qualifiers for them and uh, did well. But I think Herb Bernard, uh, who was the Moroccan manager, sort of um, uh, didn't didn't want him for the for the um, for the for the African Cup of Nations, even though his first and second choice attack attacking midfielders got injured, he still didn't call up Ziyech. So I think it was sort of sort of a signal that there's there's maybe something wrong with the relationship there. Which is a shame because, in my opinion, Hakim Ziyech is potentially the. I'm gonna big statement, but I think he's probably the best player in the Eredivisie. He's he's technically wonderful. He he's got a fantastic shot. Crosses are, are pretty good too. Um, set pieces. Uh, he's also a leader for Ajax, even though there's probably some bigger characters in that squad. He he is a very. He has an air of arrogance about him, but it's it's he it carries it well because. It does well for the team. Um, it bodes well playing for Ajax. Um, he had it at Twente as well. Um, and I, I was surprised that, utterly surprised that he never got picked up by um, a, a bigger team in Ajax, for example, in the Bundesliga, La Liga. Um, and he just he never materialised. And when Ajax came in on deadline day um, for him when he was still at Twente, he had to say yes, didn't he? Like He, he wasn't going to say no to finally getting a move away from Twente, which he, he fully deserved. I know that he turned down Sampdoria in the past when they made uh, overtures when he was still at FC Twente. Uh, he was uh, very much uh, the, the driving force behind Twente, always having uh, solid performances, always scoring great goals. And the, the refreshing thing for me was that when he signed for Ajax, he made it quite clear that he wanted to sign. It wasn't just a... Um, a stopgap to go to Ajax from Twente with a view to leaving for Germany or Spain for following summer. This is someone who signed for Ajax, who, uh, who wants to pe- who wants to play uh, who wants to play for the club. I saw him play live against FC Twente last Sunday. Some of the passes he was giving and the, le- and the level of anticipation was uh, was very impressive. I think uh, Ziyech has certainly been the best player for the last uh, three years. Two years in, in a row, he has hit double figures in goals and assists. Um, 
could hit again this season. I think him as well as some of the Ajax players with the sort of regular football, they began they began to tire a little bit. Uh, if you saw this week against Twenty, that first half was probably the slowest tempo we've seen them this season. But I think that rest that he got against Copenhagen, I think it really, really rejuvenated him for that game. And it, it, it's both him and Sam Larson. Sam Larson was also someone that created 91 chances last season for Henry. And um, Dwight uh, Lodovegas, the performance coach at, um, at uh, Henry, went on holiday during the transfer and came back afterwards and he basically if he saw to his shock uh, his shock Sam Larson still then he was basically like what are you still doing here um you you're more than good enough to have moved and and uh, Larson just shrugged at him and said you know I don't know too and he's also had a good season again this season and I think if he doesn't get picked up if by a, a bigger club in this transfer window you you would sense that there's something wrong with the scouting or people really just think incredibly lowly of the Eredivisie. Um, I would like to make a point about uh, Vitesse defender Arnold Klausweig, who scored for the first time in 304 go- uh, four games against uh, Sparta Rotterdam last, uh, last Friday. Uh, this is a player who uh, was part of the... Um, the Dutch squad, which won the youth championships in 2007, and who also played for Anderlecht and Groningen in the past. And when he first came on the scene, uh, he uh, he was very much talked about as being uh, a very very good defender, and he's a very competent defender. He also played for Rode uh, SA and Heerenveen. And um, I just think it's uh, an interesting statistic that uh, a defender at the age of 32 has managed to score for the uh, for the first time in uh, 304 competitive matches. Uh, well, I, I remember when he was very young and he, uh, he burst onto the scene and there was an awful lot of uh, positive comments regarding how far he could go. And in, in theory, he's made quite a decent career. Uh, almost 150 games for Groningen. Uh, almost uh, 100 matches for Heel and Fein, and you know, and also currently now with Vitesse, um, I think uh, I think he's made a very good career. And uh, okay, yeah, he's, he played for Young Oranje in the past, and he was never fully capped at international level, but he's always been a a decent defender for the Dutch league. So I was pleased for him to score for to score for the first uh, for the first time in such a long time. FM, well, we'll get back to the weekend's action and we've got to mention the fact that uh, Memphis Depay, you know, what, what goal he scored at the weekend, you know, 40, 42 metres, was it? Um, you know, his own halfway line. I don't think there's many actually Dutch internationals at the moment that even attempt a shot like that and to pull it off is uh, quite magnificent and uh, definitely one of the goals of the season. It just shows just... Know how confident he is now in France, and you know, that's only a good thing for Netherlands going into the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, um, I think you always needed a confident Memphis, and to see him sort of not just like scoring goals, just trying stuff and really looking liberated. Uh, that's sort of how he looked at PSV and 
and when he's that, he's very demanding of himself, and that's sort of the Memphis you want to see, and that's the Memphis that we, as someone that watched him in that final season of PSV, would like to remember. And he's, I think he's the sort of the star player of the next generation. So you need to have a, a good Memphis. He can't just fall off like Ryan Babo, Royston Dente, or Ali hasn't has, had the career that we once thought he would have. And maybe that's due to injury at Juventus, but um, you need a good Memphis, and it's good to see him getting back to that level. Yeah, it's incredible how football is, is simply a game of confidence because he started at Lyon and he had some pretty poor games. That that was at one where the newspaper ranked him as a 2 out of 10 for his performance in one match. And then just how it, he just suddenly burst out with all his confidence and can can now score from the halfway line. He would never have tried that in his first Lyon game with his, or second and third game. Thinking our um, news story from today, uh, former Netherlands boss, uh, Bert van Marwijk, came out with an interesting comment that if, you know, asked to choose between you know, Bastos or Vincent Janssen to start up front when everyone's against Bulgaria, um, he actually picked Niver and wants Holland to go for Quincy Promise through the middle um, with Memphis Pie on the left and Arjen Robin on the right go for speed against Bulgaria. I think it's um, an interesting view given you know, Janssen struggles at the moment and uh, yeah, Promise has played that position at Spartak, but I think with the sort of uh, structure of the um, Netherlands midfield and how disjointed it's, it sometimes is, you need that option to go direct, you need that option in the air, you need that option to hold the ball up, and that's why you would sort of need a Janssen or Dos Ficker. And that's why um, when they, they, they've sort of um, performed well when, when, they've, when they've been in the national team, especially Janssen, uh, because so, Janssen runs the channels and he's, he sort of gets a lot of the ball. And, and if the Netherlands are dominant in the game, he will have a lot of opportunities. So I think... I think it will be smarter to go with um, uh, um, Janssen or Dost, and I don't think that um, uh, I don't think Blind has the tactical knowledge to pull to pull off Thomas through the middle. I think to to go back to your point about Van Marveig is the one that stated uh, his opinion. I interviewed uh, Luigi Bilaunce last October and uh, Luigi Bilaunce was telling me that, that during his time at Feyenoord, Vermaabek is the best coach he's ever played for in terms of his man management and being accessible and uh, even even the training sessions. So I think it just shows the difference that even now, if Vermaabek was, was, was manager of the national team again, for example, the, the, there would be a lot more charisma in the, in the international setup than what there currently is. Yeah, he also stated that, um, you know, Robert Van Persie would still be his 
go-to man up front, not Robin Van Persie, um, which would probably be true, but whether we're actually ever going to see a fit Robin Van Persie ever again is another question because you know, Dick Advocat keeps leaving him out, centre back you claiming his, his lack of fitness. And this was the issue of my night as well, he was a lack of fitness. And it just seems to, he doesn't seem to be picking up any injuries, so it must be something off the field that you know, it's an issue with him right now. Um, I just wanted to yeah. make one final point, if I may, and uh, plug to the listeners about the Jeroen van der Leyen interview, because it's arguably the uh, the biggest club we've had, especially in Benevolence, uh, so far in the interview series, and it was uh, a very enjoyable interview. It was very well received by uh, the, the staff at the training ground in Hengelo, and uh, yeah, just uh, look forward to the next one, really. Just uh, pleased to, to, to build things up slowly and surely, and I think... Um, I think to have FC Twente on the CV and on the site is uh, is a very good sign. No, it's a very good interview, and I do always look forward to it, James, when you upload them and you get them, you get them on. Yeah, well, it took a long time to come into fruition because you have to you have to completely be cooperative and uh, you have to um, have have certain requests for for certain days and things like that. But it was. Uh, it was nice to go uh, to the training centre. I managed to upload a couple of photos from the inside and the outside. Not too many, but uh, yeah, it, it was extremely, uh, extremely friendly and uh, extremely honest as well. You know, Van der Leyen, and uh, especially about um, uh, looking at English football and and wanting to harbour ambitions to play abroad in the future, not just in a footballing sense, but in a life sense. And I thought that was a, I thought that was a very interesting point. Some people may only look to think, "Oh, I'm a footballer. I play. Uh, I, I would only play abroad." But he was very much. He's always stated it. Obviously, he's very young and fully committed to Esther Twenta. But uh, I just found it impressive that he said, even in a, in a life, uh, in a life adventure sense, to try something different, uh, that he would definitely be open to. Well, it was a very interesting comment he made as well about um, he asked him who was his toughest opponent he faced so far, and he picked. Sama Tanan, who used to play for Heracles and was another you know, attacker who came through the, the Dutch international youth teams, but then was opted for what well, he stated he wants to play for Morocco. Um, and he's, he's a great player, I think he's currently at St Etienne. Um, it's interesting that he was picked as the one that he had the toughest time against in Eredivisie. Yeah, he also said it was he was pretty inexperienced at that point. Uh, but I I like the part where he you know talked about Arsenal. I think I think it was a comment he made in the Dutch media and uh, to also have him say it again on the site was was also integral. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just um, I found also impressive the way that he said about the the anticipation needed as a defender in the division. You know, you, you hear about the Premier League with the physicality and being physically quick and physically uh, extremely strong and, and very uh, full of muscle and, uh, and fight and vigour. And then you have a player telling, telling me that um, if you know how to position yourself properly and you can anticipate certain situations, you can help yourself a lot. It's true though, because you, you wouldn't see like a Richard Dunn or a James Collins type defender in the Eredivisie. It's all about um, technical, technical brain, really, and the anticipation comment was actually quite interesting. I thought as well. Like us on YouTube, 
iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us a subscribe, share our, our podcasts, give us some comments about what you think about the podcast as well so far. It's all appreciated. Thanks once again. Goodbye.